Good evening. A new variant stalks the world, a national day of mourning for indigenous people and a towering master of musical theater dies at 91. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Friday, November 26, 2021. United States stocks nosedive today, resulting in a terrible day for equities. It was the worst day for the Dow Jones in over a year with a thousand point drop. Oil prices were hit, too. The tumble came in the face of the new Omicron variant of COVID-19. Earlier today, the White House released a statement from President Joe Biden. In the statement, Biden says he was briefed by Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci about the Omicron variant, and he's ordered air travel restrictions for passengers from South Africa and seven other countries in Southern Africa. They take effect on Monday. Speaking on CNN this morning, Fauci says there are concerns. Well, certainly new variant that is now in South Africa in the, in the Gauteng province that has some mutations that are raising some concern, particularly with regard to possibly transmissibility increase and possibly evasion of immune response. We don't know that for sure right now. This is really something that's in, in motion and, and, and we just uh, arranged right now a discussion between our scientists and the South African scientists a little bit later in the morning to really get the facts, because you're hearing a lot of things back and forth. We want to find out scientist to scientist exactly what is going on. But it's something that has emerged in South Africa and seems to be spreading in a, at a reasonably rapid rate in the sense of when they do test positivity, they're seeing that it's a bit more widespread in South Africa than was originally felt a couple of days ago. So it's in a fluid motion. We're finding more about it. And literally, it's something that in real time we're learning more and more about. And Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove of the World Health Organization agrees concern is the word of the day. So today, WHO's Technical Advisory Group on Virus Evolution met to discuss the variant B11529 to discuss what we understand about this variant and if it should be classified as a variant of interest or a variant of concern. Based upon the information that we have, particularly from South Africa, um, they have advised WHO that this variant should be classified as a variant of concern. So today we are announcing B11529 as a variant of concern named Omicron. So Omicron uh, B11529 is named as a variant of concern because it has some concerning properties. Um, this variant has a large number of mutations, and some of these mutations have some worrying characteristics. Right now, there are many studies that are underway. There's a lot of work that is ongoing in South Africa and in other countries to better characterize the variant itself in terms of transmissibility, in terms of severity, and any impact on our countermeasures like the use of diagnostics, therapeutics, or vaccines. So far, there's little information, but those studies are underway. So we need researchers to have the time to carry those out. And WHO will inform the public um, and our partners and our member states as soon as we have more information. Once a variant is classified as a variant of concern, it's really important that we have good SARS-CoV-2 surveillance around the world, including better genomic sequencing, because we want to be able to detect this variant where it is circulating. It's also really important that studies are, under, are undertaken in the field to look at any clusters and also the studies that are needed in the lab to look to see if there's any changes in severity, any changes in our impact on diagnostics, therapeutics, or vaccines. The Technical Advisory Group for Virus Evolution will be meeting uh, regularly about Omicron. It will take days to weeks for some of these studies to be undertaken. It's really important that these studies are done and they're done 
comprehensively. As soon as we have more information, we will make that information public. But it's important to know that there's a lot that you can do to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. We understand that people are concerned. The good thing is that we have monitoring systems around the world to detect these variants very quickly. This variant was detected a few weeks ago, and already scientists are sharing research with us, information with us, so that we can take action. What's really important as an individual is to lower your exposure. The measures, these proven public health measures, have never been more important. Distancing, wearing of a mask, making sure that it's over your nose and mouth with clean hands, um, making sure you avoid crowded spaces, have, be in rooms where there's good ventilation, and when it's your turn, get vaccinated. Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove of the World Health Organization, an assistant professor of microbiology at Reading England, describes what's known about the new Omicron variant. The coronavirus is a, is a sphere, and from that, there are these spike proteins which stick out. The, the spike protein is really important for the interaction between the virus and our cells. It acts like a key to unlock those cells. Um, when we've had a vaccine or an infection, our body makes antibodies, which binds to that spike protein, that key, and block them from working. Now, um, it looks like the... Uh, that the coronavirus has gone and got itself a new version of the spike protein uh, by accumulating quite a few different mutations. And that means it's got a new key. And the antibodies that we had before can't stick to that key. They can't stop it from working. But it appears that the, the key activity still works. But we don't really, at the moment, have a great idea of what effect that has on the transmissibility of the virus. Now, everybody knows what the genetic code is, and therefore you can do experiments with it. That becomes very easy. But they will be looking for two things. One, how does that affect the ability of the virus to jump from person to person and infect our cells? Um, that's one set of experiments and research to do. The other is to look at how well the antibodies that are produced by the vaccines that we have interact with the new spike protein and, and how much they block its activity. And that's Simon Clark, an assistant professor of microbiology at Reading, England. And Canadian Foreign Minister Jean-Yves Duclos announced his country's new restrictions prompted by the variant. So first, we are banning the entry of foreign nationals into Canada that have traveled through Southern Africa in the last 14 days. Southern Africa includes seven different countries, South Africa, Mozambique, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Lesotho, Eswatini, and Namibia. Second, for all those that have arrived in Canada in the last 14 days, we are asking them to quarantine now and to go for a COVID-19 test and to stay in isolation until they get the result of a negative COVID test. And that's the Canadian foreign minister. There was no immediate indication whether the variant causes more severe disease. As with other variants, some infected people display no symptoms. South African experts said, and the WHO panel drew from the Greek alphabet in naming the variant Omicron as it has done with earlier major variants of the virus. The 27-nation European Union imposed a temporary ban on air travel from Southern Africa and stocks tumbled as reported in Asia, Europe, and the United States. The Dow Jones industrial average dropped more than 1,000 points. The S&P 500 index is down 2.3% on pace for its worst day since February. The price of oil plunged by nearly 12%. And 
back here in the United States, Ahmed Arbery's mother woke up today with a a new, very important blessing from Thanksgiving. The three white men who chased and killed Arbery and her son, Ahmed Arbery, in Brunswick in February 2020 were all convicted of murder on Wednesday. They cornered Arbery after finding out he had been seen on a surveillance camera at a nearby house under construction and wanted to question him about recent burglaries in the area. The mother, Cooper Jones, said, After the verdicts were read Wednesday, she thought of her son's supporters at the Glynn County Courthouse every day who shouted, Justice for Ahmed. Hard fight, but God is good. Yes, he is. Early in, I never saw, to tell you the truth, I never saw this day back in 2020. Mm -hmm. I never thought this day would come, but God is good. Yes, he is. And I just want to tell everybody, thank you, thank you. For those who marched, those who who prayed, most of all the the ones who prayed. Yes, Lord. Yes. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Thank you. That now, now Quez, which I, which you know him as Ahmad, I know him as Quez. Yes. He will now rest in peace. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Wanda Cooper Jones, the mother of Ahmed Arbery, she says she's thankful her son's killers are facing justice and his death will make Georgia a safer place. After Arbery's death, Georgia became the 47th state to pass a hate crimes law. The legislature also repealed the citizen's arrest law that defense attorneys tried to use to justify chasing him, banning people who aren't officers from detaining people outside of shoplifting. And members of Native American tribes from around New England gathered yesterday in the seaside town where the pilgrims settled, not to give thanks, but to mourn indigenous people worldwide who've suffered centuries of racism and mistreatment. Thursday's solemn National Day of Mourning observance in downtown Plymouth, Massachusetts, will recall the disease and oppression that European settlers brought to North America. Here are some excerpts from the day. So my name is Montoe Monroe. I am Lakota. I'm co-leader of United American Indians of New England, and I'm really grateful to be here with you all today. Um, We made it through another year. It's been a difficult year. Um, I want to acknowledge that we have, I look out and I see so many different beautiful indigenous faces and people here, and it's it's really wonderful to see that. I I want to acknowledge also that we have a bus from the Haitian community in Brooklyn that left at 6 o'clock this morning to be here. Thank you, Daoud Andre. We we have a bus with um, Boricua siblings from Urban Adabeks and other communities that left from Yankee Stadium at 6 o'clock this morning. we, we want to welcome you all. We always love having our, our Taino siblings in the house. And I know that we have, I know that we have a big contingent of Palestinian siblings here with us today. And we always love and support you and are so grateful to have you here with us. And everyone who is here from the four directions, I'm going to end by returning to the concept of land back. That's something on the lips of many indigenous people. Treaties need to be honored. Lands, including the sacred Black Hills and many more need to be returned. A proposal, a starting place for the decolonization of our lands 
and a way to address climate collapse is first, ensure that no projects can go through any indigenous nation's land without free, prior, and authentic informed consent. Second, take all of the land that is currently being mismanaged by all settler governments, such as the national parks or the Amazon rainforest, and let indigenous nations manage that land. That would mean the restoration of millions of acres of our lands to us. It would also mean the end of the desecration of our sacred sites, such as the Black Hills or Mauna Kea in Hawaii. Third, cancel the leases, the pipelines, the mining and the corporate contracts and start over. Finally, since we all live here on this planet together, and since it is the only planet that we have. My name is Jennifer, and I will be reading to you our message from the Mayan elders in English. Sisters and brothers, our joyful embrace from our ancestral lands, and our song of protest, of struggle, of walking, the embrace of our elders, our women, our men, our grandchildren, the voices of girls and boys, grandmothers and grandfathers, the voices of the disappeared, of those who were assassinated in the name of money-hungry transnationals. The voices of our Mother Earth that echoes in the mountains, deserts, forests, and jungles. And screams in the great avenues of luxurious cities born and fed with the blood of exploited peoples. The cry of Mother Earth that murmurs in the hearts of her daughters and sons who wander lost in the virtual hurricane forgotten that we are in creation to pay tribute to life. The struggles unite us, heals us, liberates us. But the fight still continues. The fight not only for the freedom of each nation, but it is the fight for life itself, for the survival of our mother earth. Here in our ancestral lands, we have been fighting for hundreds of years, but each one of our victories makes that the genocidal government more brutal, more sanguinary, even at this very moment in history. We have never asked for your money. We have never asked you to come and fight here because here, whoever fights is disappeared and murdered. Here, there is no game of human rights and trial in court. Here, only impunity and more cruel and crude corruption, thanks to the training and financing of American democracy. The fight to free Leonard Peltier, honoring indigenous culture and heritage. A gallery exposition held at the historic De Clemente in the LES Manhattan in honor of Leonard Peltier and his fight for freedom. Thank you all for being here today to celebrate National Day of Mourning. It is my honor to introduce Leonard Peltier's annual National Day of Mourning speech. Leonard Peltier is a Native American activist, artist, humanitarian, and writer. He is also a political prisoner wrongfully incarcerated since 1977 and falsely imprisoned for the murders of two FBI agents in 1975. And a, and a Boston University student. And uh, we're grateful that Herbie Waters is here with us today to read the message directly from Leonard Peltier.
good afternoon, everyone. Um, uh, before I read the statement, I would just like to say a couple words about my grandfather. Greetings, relatives. Each year, as November nears, I try to think back on all that has happened in my world in the past 12 months. And I know that in my world, I can only see a very small part of what is happening on the outside. For me, this year somehow seems to carry more weight than usual. I have passed ever so slowly into the world of the elderly. I am now closer to 80 than to 70. The truth is, I never believed I would live this long. I was just past 31 old when I came to prison. It was almost half a century ago. My body is now the body of an old man. And it is harder to try to keep myself from being overtaken by sickness or depression or loneliness. They are constant companions here. I keep them at arm's length and I know I cannot ever let them overtake me. If I allow that to happen, it will be the end. There is no mercy here and no compassion. I cannot even imagine what it is like on the outside. I only hear stories and cannot believe half of what I hear. For me, the best days here at USP Coleman in Florida were the days when we could be outside in the yard and feel the sun. Even though they purposely built the walls so high that we could not even see the treetops, the occasional bird or butterfly gives a welcome glimpse of our relatives in the natural world, but even that is very rare now. I know COVID has cost all of us, you and me, in many ways. And I offer my condolences for all of you who have lost loved ones and friends to it. Here, inside the steel and concrete walls, it is no different. Constant lockdowns caused by both COVID and violence have made life here even harder than usual. I have not been allowed to paint in 18 months and we are almost always in some form of lockdown. After our family was relocated to Portland, Oregon, I took part in the fishing struggles with Billy Frank and his Nisqually people at Frank's Landing. The rednecks were cutting up their nets and attacking both women and men who just wanted to continue to fish as their ancestors did. And when they shot Hank Adams, it was a very dark time and outraged all of us. But we stood strong to protect the Nisqually people. I will always be proud of that. There were so many outrages back then. When the land at Fort Lawton and Washington State fell into disuse, we went there and occupied it under old treaty law. That was also a hard time. Our actions might have been unpopular at the time, but they led to a school, alcohol treatment center, and employment office. And we're listening to the words, the letter, the annual letter uh, for the National uh, Day of Mourning of uh, Indigenous Peoples held in Plymouth from Leonard Peltier. It's the 52nd year that the United American Indians of New England have organized the event on Thanksgiving Day. The tradition began in 1970. And now... We're going to go to our and finally, it's a sad story, Stephen Sondheim, the songwriter who reshaped the American musical theater in the second half of the 20th century with his intelligent, intricately rhymed lyrics, use of evocative melodies and his willingness to tackle unusual subjects has died. He was 91. His death was announced by the president of his record company, his Texas-based attorney, 
told the New York Times the composer died Friday at his home in Roxbury, Connecticut. Sondheim influenced several generations of theater songwriters, particularly with such landmark musicals as Company, Follies, and Sweeney Todd, which are considered among his best work. His most famous ballad, Send in the Clowns, has been recorded hundreds of times, including by Frank Sinatra and Judy Collins. The artist refused to repeat himself, finding inspiration for his shows in such diverse subjects as an Ingmar Bergman movie, A Little Night Music, the opening of Japan to the West, Pacific Overtures, French painter Georges Seurat, Grimm's fairy tales like Into the Woods, and even the killers of American presidents, assassins. Tributes quickly flooded social media as performers and writers alike saluted a giant of the theater. Le Salonga uh, wrote, We Shall Be Forever, Singing Your Songs Forever. We are uh, others wrote, we are so lucky to have what you've been, you've given the world. The theater has lost one of its greatest geniuses. Six of Sondheim's musicals won Tony Awards for Best Score, and he also received a Pulitzer Prize for Sunday in the Park, an Academy Award for the song Sooner or Later from the film Dick Tracy, five Olivier Awards, and the Presidential Medal of Honor. In 2008, he received a Tony Award for lifetime achievements. And we're going to spend the rest of the news listening to Finishing the Hat from Sunday in the Park with George, sung by Mandy Pankin. Let her look for me to tell me why she left me As I always knew she would I had thought she understood they have never understood and no reason that they should Where there never was a hat And that's some of the news for Friday, November 26, 2021. The news was produced with Linda Perry. Our engineer is Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.